Hey, brother, there's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister, know the water's sweet, but blood is thicker. Oh, the sky. Welcome to the Reformed Brotherhood. Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers gotta hug. I'm Tony. And I'm Jesse. Brother? I'm going to have a brother? I've always dreamed about having a brother. If you'd like to join our brotherhood, you can join our Facebook group. You can email us at reformbrotherhood at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter at reformbrohood. You can also subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, brother-in-law. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Matt Butts, prolific blogger at Reformed Outlook host of the podcast by the same name, native son of the state of Alabama. What's good, brother? Oh, man, everything's good down here. I mean, the football's good, the beer's good, and I mean, everything's good. I just, I can't complain. Man, this is why we had to have you on, because you're you're the one just living the dream. When people are saying, who's that living the dream? It's Matt Butts. <laughs> <laughs> who's that lady? <laughs> That's what I thought of when you said that. Like you're like, who's that? And then, but I'm not a lady. I'm a, I'm a man. I know the difference. And there are only two genders. And I'm I'm the man. So, amen. Uh, well, yeah. that's been our podcast for this week. Our gender, <laughs> our biblical gender understanding podcast. That's right. That's right. That's beautiful, uh, man. See, this is why I was excited to have you on. Among many other reasons, is that you get to bring like that Southern flavor to our show. Cause there's no earthly reason that you or I should really be talking to each other. You know what I mean? I know. Right. And, and just the connections you can make through social media and, and stuff like that, because our, I mean, well, we've got some completely different cultures, even though we live in the same country, but sure. I mean, but, but you know, we're still brothers and it's just a cool thing. I think, um, you know, a lot of people from the North, uh, you live in Yanktown and I live uh, in the South uh, a lot of people from the north will, will automatically assume that the uh, the southern accent automatically denotes a lower IQ. And um, I'll be honest, I use that to my advantage a lot. <laughs> like, a whole, I'm not I'm not sitting here saying I'm the smartest. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But but I will. Yeah, that's uh, uh, is that a spiritual gift? Is a southern accent a spiritual gift? <laughs> I, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. If you say so. In fact, what I've already decided long before we started recording this is that basically you're the audio version of, of biscuits and gravy to our podcast. Biscuits and gravy. That's right, man. That's yes. I, I've I've had that psalm in my head all week long. Honestly, that behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like biscuit gravy running down Aaron's beard. Absolutely. Do, do you eat biscuits and gravy where you live? So we, we have some places around here that will serve that up, but I, I assume it's like faux biscuits and gravy or like, I'm guessing if it was put in front of you, you'd just be like, what is this? Like, it would just offend you. It would offend all your sensibilities. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I, I've been, the, only, the farthest north I've ever been was Seattle, uh, but I didn't eat biscuits and gravy there. I don't even, even think I saw it on a menu. Uh, but uh, maybe, I don't know. I've never, I've never had, uh, what state are you in again? I live in Pennsylvania. Okay, uh, Pennsylvania. I've never had Pennsylvania biscuits and gravy, but I can tell you down here, the gravy is thick and the biscuits are hot, and it is <laughs> fantastic. Throw you some salt on it, and it's just, it's, 
love right there it's just at first sight now there's something else that we do uh i don't know if you've ever heard of it uh chocolate syrup and biscuits oh no i've never heard of those things together okay so this is not everybody in the south does this only us real southern folk do it um what you do is you get some uh cocoa and some sugar and some milk and you you put it uh in the skillet and you let it boil you you, you just heat it until it boils and then you pour it on a plate and you put biscuits in, in there and then you put butter on them and then you dip the biscuit in it it is phenomenal i mean it is it, you wouldn't think it would be but if you just try it one time with that hot chocolate syrup some people call it chocolate sauce i don't call it that i call it chocolate syrup but not like the kind you put on ice cream but that's a different story um but yeah dude that is that's probably probably my favorite breakfast food ever is is chocolate syrup and biscuits that's legit if you're gonna pick a good breakfast food that's it so the the biscuits are like savory dude just try it i mean (laughs) it's like it's it's like these two things that you think would not go together and then you eat them and then it's like oh my goodness this is this is the best thing ever it's just like an explosion of flavor in you i just do it i'm just that's that's all i can say I mean, it just seems like the the thing that kind of has to be executed precisely, even though it sounds simple. It sounds like dude, if I can make it, it if I can make it, you can make it. All right, fair enough. I guarantee you that. I, I'm gonna jump on that. See, this is why you're already educating. I love this. Already edifying. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, oh goodness. And that's why I, I was excited for you to to come hang out, which I'm really stoked about. Uh, one of the reasons is because among the many millions of things that you do with the Reformed Outlook and the podcast, which is fantastic, everybody should really go jump on that, is you're also a seminarian, right? I am. Now, I'm a, I'm a part-time seminarian. Uh, my wife stays home with the kids, and I'm the, I work full-time. I'm actually management at a service company, so it means that, uh, and that's salary, so you're never really off the clock. But... Uh, but yeah, so I, I take one or two classes a semester. Uh, that's all I can really fit in. But but I do go to seminary. My background education, where I got my bachelor's, was level college of the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. So um, I've right. had it, I've had training before, but as far as master's level training, that I'm getting that now. And where is it they go to school at? I go to Birmingham Theological Seminary, which which is. Um, just a, a helpful hint like it's at Briarwood Presbyterian Church and you you've probably seen a lot of the articles about they've got a police force now and and everybody's trying to uh uh there's a lot of things people don't know about that but anyways that's actually ground zero for the PCA PCUSA split was Briarwood that's where everybody met to say we ain't gonna be liberal yanks no more we're gonna do this right uh so yeah <laughs> Why do the Yanks always have to come into this? No, no, sorry. You know what? That that was rude. That was rude because <laughs> because there are liberal Southerners too. I don't understand it, but there are. No, I'm down with that. See, like the I so I've been as far south as like Georgia and Florida, but I was recently, maybe like six months or so ago, in Richmond, which Richmond, Virginia, for some work stuff, which I thought was going to be the South, but I was very disappointed. Like I was really expecting a lot of like women walking around with parasols and like saying, I do declare, but there, it was like really, 
it was not that way at all. Like it, it was, I, like, I was kind of confused. There were most of the time there wasn't even an accent, and I was like, somebody just throw me a bone. Man, okay, now now that that view of the South is a little skewed. Uh, <laughs> the the Southern Bell, uh, the Southern Bell. Maybe you can find that in some parts of Georgia, but I mean, really, what the South is is is, is pretty laid back. We're pretty hospitable. Um, and uh, you get on the road, you wave at a stranger, they'll wave back, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, you never meet a stranger unless they look weird, and then you just kind of get you know a little cautious there. Uh, that was a joke uh, because I would always meet strangers if if looking weird was the uh, was a was a qualifier there. Uh, but uh, anyways, they uh, it's just really laid back. Uh, what I would say is, whereas the North would probably be more blunt and and kind of. It just letting you know how it is mm-hmm. down here people lots of times will smile to your face and just bite you stab you in the back like like the the back yeah so i'm not trying to throw everybody under the bus but it's just a different culture um different. so that's that's why um you know that smile at you in sunday school then it's like can you believe what she did um but so i mean not at my church my church is awesome but uh, but i've seen some of that the cool thing is I'm a, I'm a pretty blunt guy, so uh, it's funny how I fit in down here. I just get looks sometimes, and then sometimes people are like, I have never heard this type of honesty. Tell me more. Uh, so, <laughs> do, do they say it like that? Um, Maybe. In my head, they do. <laughs> Tell me more, good sir. I would love to hear it. I love that. Um, yeah, yeah, so. Cool. See, this uh, is why you were the perfect person to have on this week, because... There's something that I've been wanting to talk about with somebody, and Matt, you brother are right on with this because you're you're knee deep in it, and it's basically I've been thinking a lot about training and edification, and especially as it relates to seminary. So that's one of those words, at least in my little world, that carries like a ton of baggage because I don't know if you've had this experience, but I presume that if you say to somebody who's not a Christian, not a believer outside of kind of churchianity, that you're going to seminary, that carries like they make their own assumptions about that. And if you say it to somebody in the church, they also make their own assumptions about what that means and all that kind of good stuff. Um, So I've been thinking a lot about like the current shape and the place of seminary, like writ large in the Reformed theological community and the church. So where I grew up in New Hampshire was just like a stone's throw away from Dartmouth College. So established in like 1769, one of the old Ivy League schools, and it was set apart to train congregational ministers and educate Native Americans in Christian theology. And its motto is actually translated from Latin is a voice crying out in the wilderness, which is like super ironic given where most of those places have come. But when, you know, like the Europeans came, especially like the Puritans came over and were like, this place is great. We're, we're fleeing religious persecution. We want to get after the Lord's work. We're going to get, get down to it, get some work done. So we need to edify, educate, empower some men to go out with the full counsel of God and do the work that God has, has tasked us to do. And what's odd to me is now, like you look at that pedigree and where those schools like Harvard, Yale, all the same, where they've come from. And you look at even some large churches like who have tens of thousands of congregants and you've got pastors there who either have little or no seminary training and kind of like belittle it and just say it's not worth anything. So on the one hand, we have all this like prodigious beginning and where we're, we're at now. So I was hoping that maybe you could kind of help pull back the curtain a little bit on seminary. And what I wanted to start out with was kind of asking you, I mean, what is seminary all about? 
Well, um, if you ask uh, people down here, you'd probably get a couple different answers. Uh, down here, I remember I was talking to my cousin one time, and she was asking where I was in college. This was when I was getting my undergrad at uh, New Orleans. And and I told her, she said, oh, church college. <laughs> so so <laughs> for me, that it sounded like in her voice it carried as, as much weight as church camp. And I'm going. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, my college is accredited by the same accrediting agency that accredits the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Um, and then on the on the other hand, you're going to get people who, because the idea down here lots of times is you ain't got to go to church to be safe. You ain't got to do, do this to be safe. It's loophole Christianity. Hmm. Like, is basically what it is. I mean, I mean, do you do this to be saved? No, but do saved people do this? Yes. Um, so... Uh, they say, well, I ain't never read in the Bible where you got to go to seminary to, to be a pastor. I ain't never read in the Bible where you had to do that. I'm going, okay, did you ever read in the Bible where Timothy followed Paul around for how many years and, and right completely trained under him? Do you have that type of, type of discipleship in your church? Are you discipling people that way? Or are you meeting for a potluck once a week or maybe once every two weeks and, and going through a verse in Scripture? Because discipleship is really – I mean, I, it, man, it's a lot more than that, it, yeah, you know. Sure. So, uh, where I come to on it is, and these are questions I've had before, but uh, where I come to on it is, the Word of God carries the ultimate amount of weight, and for you to stand behind a pulpit and say authoritatively, "This is what the Word of God teaches." Do you not want to sit under those who have gone before you, those who are more knowledgeable than you, those who uh, um, have have traveled this road before, much like Timothy did with Paul, um, and learn these things and not go renegade on it? Do you really want a renegade preacher standing behind your pulpit and saying, well, this is what I think, and this is – well, you know what? There's certain areas where we can where we can talk about that. I mean, but as far as the gospel and the majority of of scripture goes, no, you want someone who the other pastors in the area or the other pastors at large, whatever, are going to say, "Yes, I agree with this guy." You want to be in unity with the rest of the church. Uh, and a great way to do that is seminary because you're studying under these guys. So where I go to seminary at Birmingham Theological Seminary, it um, they all of the professors are current pastors, or or well, I won't say all, most are. So you're sitting under guys who are doing what you're training to do, and guys with good theology, reform guys, and you might not agree with everything every jot and tittle but at least you're going to be challenged on it and at least you're going to be conformed to the unity uh, within the church and then when you go before ordination you're going to have to give an account for for these things and you're going to have to show these things um you know and this is it, well, it might be kind of a dig but i was in it so i remember uh when i was in the sbc the qualifications to be ordained is uh do you believe in the trinity and have a free weekend um <laughs> so uh, but I know as a Presbyterian, it's a, it's a lot stricter. And some people would, would use the L word, would say, oh, well, that's legalistic. Well, really, how important do you believe uh, God's people are? How important right, do you believe amen. the flock is? 
And are you just going to put anybody up there to lead that flock? Right. Or do you want them to be committed and approved and to have gone through as much as they can in training to do this? And man, that is where seminary comes in for me because I'm going, all right, I want, because there's a reverence towards the word of God and a reverence towards preaching the word of God mm. that you have to go, I want even though I will tremble when I open this book and, and preach it, I want to know that I have I, I have studied under these men who have gone before me and I have prepared and haven't just treated this as, a, as if it means nothing. So, yeah, that's what – and that is what seminary means to me. <laughs> <laughs> An essay by Matt Butts. I love that because I've, I've often thought, and you kind of intimated at this, I've often thought that seminary is a place where where people go because they understand they've been, but they've had a special call put in their life to proclaim the gospel message in a specific sphere with influence. But they understand at the same time that Paul was like, listen, not many of you should be teachers. Like It's almost like a you're coming to get treatment for the fact that God is calling you to do something that Paul is like, listen, you might want to hold up a bit. And yet you're like, I wouldn't do this normally. I don't really want to do this in, in a sense. But God has placed his hand on me and said, this is the way walk in it. And it's a group of people like you that are, and, and people who have also been called, who are older and wiser and have been taught those ways, saying, okay, so here's how you're going to do this. Absolutely. Um, because is, isn't, it, isn't it just wired into our sin nature to where we're like, no, nah, I got this. I got this. Like, yeah, I don't need sure. any type of authority over me. Um, I can be right when everybody else is wrong. I'm right. But, well, you know, that there's not much unity there. And, and it's a it's a very, very miserable path to, tra- to travel and to follow. And it's, there will be no good fruit from that. But there is good fruit from looking at, at these men who have gone before you. I know I had a professor uh, named Jim Maples. He taught uh, church history. And wow, just to listen to that man talk, I mean, you could tell just that he had so much research and studying and also experience under his belt that you just sit there and you listen and you respect it and you go, I don't have it all together. And he wouldn't say that he does either, Hmm. but he is several, several steps ahead of me. And man, if I could just glean some of that. Uh, you know, you, you have a lot of classes, a lot of professors, and there's no way you can retain every single inch of every single thing. But they can teach you how to study the Bible, and they can teach you just certain things. And there's certain things that you'll glean that you just, I mean, you'll carry with you forever. And that's something that you're not going to get if you just say, um, God called me to plant a church. Let me go do that. You know, I actually right. tried to do that one time and fell flat on my face. And I thank God. Uh, this was several years ago. I was just this... I'm called by God, this whole Baptocostal reformed-ish, I would say it was reformed, it probably wasn't, Calvinistic-ish, Pentecostal-ish, kind of, or not Pentecostal, but we'll say charismatic. I was like, God wants me to do this right now, and blah, blah, blah. And no, he didn't. And obviously he didn't. And I'm so thankful that I fell flat on my face when I went to do that. And I mean, fell hard. uh, Because I didn't understand it at the time, but now I'm starting to see I'm not re- I'm not ready now. Like I want to be I want I want to know that I've done everything to become ready uh that I can do before I do this because honestly that that's just an irreverence for the pulpit, I believe. 
is to say that I'm going to take the shortcut. I'm, you know, I'm not saying there aren't situations where where you um, can bypass seminary or whatever, especially if it's not available. If I'm not saying those situations don't exist, I'm not by any means saying that a that seminary is a hard, hard requirement uh, to become a pastor or to do things like that. That is not what I'm saying. But what I what I am saying is, if the opportunity is afforded to you and you say no, nah, I'll pass. That, I think that's a problem. Right. Yeah, that, that's a good point. One of the things you know, I've been thinking about is this idea that in the New Testament, clearly there is a place and a role in an articulated description of the pastor, of the shepherd, of the understudy, of the under-shepherd of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, we get this sensibility as well that there's a responsibility of the people of God among themselves to be teachers and disciple makers. So it's it's almost as if the priestly role is there, in, it's in a sense, through, it's there, of course, through Jesus. To a lesser extent, it's there through the under-shepherd, but it's also decentralized. So I, I think of First uh, Peter. So when he says in chapter 2, as you come to him, that's Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So it strikes me that it's not only a great honor that God has consecrated us as his temple to himself, in which he's going to dwell and be worshipped, but that he should also make us priests. So, you know, it's weird. It's one thing to be like, you guys are clean. You're doing your thing. I accept you because of Jesus. It's another thing to be like, go be my ambassadors. That seems like a, a really profound risk, so to speak, on God's part in a weird way. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like if you could just, you know, give us, uh, give us a free seminary, like your entire seminary career and like, you know, the next 10 minutes, that'd be great. But if not, (laughs) uh, I'm um, not, I'm not very far in. This is beautiful. Uh, if not, I'm kind of curious, like what are some things because, so you're bridging like both worlds. Like for somebody that's always been like, you know, I have a penchant for theology or I'm just interested in theology. And uh, whether or not I feel I have a call of ministry, I just love the Lord, want to know more about him. I'm kind of curious, like, what are some things that you, you're learning or you've learned that you wish, like, lay people in the church could also hear and understand? Like, are there ever those things that you think about? Oh, absolutely. And, and there's all sorts of I'm, – I'm very grateful uh, that – for the seminary that I attend because – I get all sorts of just just stuff that I'd never thought of before in the scriptures, orthodox like like very 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 biblical stuff, and I just never made those connections. Um, so yeah, like the first thing I want to do when I hear these things is go tell somebody. Um, <laughs> Amen. But uh, for the layperson in the in the church, like I would say, there, there is the, the the well of scripture runs so deep. I don't know that we say that to the point to where it's almost cliche, but it so does. And there are just moments where your eyes are just open and just your heart just is mag- like just gets this glimpse of just the glory of God in a way that you had never seen. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, this is this is so awesome. And it could be it, it could be anything. It could be uh, looking at the Tower of Babel. It can be. It can be uh, looking at at the life of John Huss, who who sang loudly over the cackling fire 
that was burning all of his works and burning his body alive. I didn't know these things, you know? Uh, so this makes me ex- excited, and, and it humbles me, and it makes me go, you know what? I'm sitting here in, in Alabama with a church on every street corner, and how much more should I be shouting the gospel and taking the gospel out? How much more appreciative should I be? I'm not being burned alive. Uh, so I, those are some of the things that I've gleaned. You know, people want to say, oh, well, church history is just, it's not the Bible. No, it's not the Bible. But you know what? One of these days, you're going to be history, too. Don't you want your life to count for something? Don't you want it to matter? So haven't the people who have gone before us, don't they matter as well? Can't you take some kind of example from their lives? Can't you take some kind of inspiration there? Or Or look at original languages. I mean, it is... Uh, I'm not saying that there's some kind of secret code or secret message that they can only be unlocked by learning Greek and Hebrew. No, that's that's ridiculous. But the way that I explain Greek, uh, I haven't really gotten into Hebrew as much yet, but the way that I really explain Greek is it's basically like there's this cardboard box and you open it and these things flow out. So so you see more descriptors and you see you see it in a more well-rounded way, the same truth. So... These are the things that that you learn there. And, man, I'm just so very thankful for that. Um, I'm gleaning things all the time, and I'm not very far in. Like, you know, I work full-time. Kelly stays home. Uh, So I'm in management, so that takes up uh, a lot of time. Uh, But so I'm only able to take one or two classes a semester, and let me, let me just say this. When I started, my pastor is just the man. His name is Wayne Shelton. We are at Redeemer Presbyterian in Gardendale. There's a good plug uh, for my church. Right on. So I had concerns and I had questions about Birmingham Theological Seminary. He met me there, and he sat down with me with the vice president of the seminary, and he was, like, in my corner the whole time. And he's been, like, he's been pushing for me to uh, – come under care and he's been pushing for me to get licensed and he's been pushing for this and pushing for that so i'm going you know it just all connects it's not like i'm in seminary and this is over here my church is over here no it's all together and and it's a it's just beautiful man i probably got off so, off topic and probably derailed there <laughs> no that was but fantastic this is very, i also honestly yeah you were getting so fired up there in the in the church history bit that I thought you were just talking to me. Like I thought you were just calling me out and like you need to get into some church history right now. No, no, no. And I will be the first one to say that I'm I'm probably the most the least intelligible uh, about church history. I feel so inadequate when approaching it. I feel I feel very inadequate when approaching a lot of these things. But how cool is it that in that inadequacy, you're not just left to yourself and to your books. But you have these professors who actually care about you and care about the gospel uh, to say, okay, let me help you with this. Right. That's seminary, man. I mean, that is, at least that's my seminary. Your seminary ain't like that come to mind. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but well, that's, I love it. That's why this is like in a weird space, because not only do people have these interesting preconceptions about what seminary is and like why or why you do not need to go, but we have this weird role sometimes or view of the role of the pastor, like because we're gig economy now. So I think sometimes we just feel like we can broker 
certain responsibilities, spiritual or not, to the pastor. And we just expect, well, when it comes to, even if it's not like, say, evangelism, but when it comes to like casting vision, when it comes to uh, working out your faith, when it comes to you're trying to build up the kingdom in the local space in which you live, like that's the pastor's job. Like I don't, I don't need to do that. So I'm always interesting about. I'm always interested to hear kind of about people who are training in the ministry. What like people like me who don't have those degrees, love the Lord, want to be involved in this church. Like what we need to hear. Sometimes even the tough love of being like, here's here's what you need to do. Like here's some things you need to appreciate. And and I was getting some of that from what you were saying. Yeah, man. And how cool is it? Um, and you can even just see just a great model of discipleship in that. When you have this man who has been uh, trained and discipled and taught by all these other men coming before the sheep and doing the same thing right, with everything that he's learned. So it doesn't just stop with a pastor. Seminary education never just stops with a pastor, but it trickles to the sheep, and it's poured out into the sheep. So you've got this generation who has come before you pouring into this next generation who is pouring into the sheep how beautiful is that yeah that's, that's I mean, glorious it, it it it's just it just screams discipleship and you know in the context in which we live hey you know what i would it would be awesome if we were all just sharecroppers and uh and i could follow around my pastor 24 7 he might not like that so much uh, but if i could do that uh but that, that's not that's not where we live that that's not what we do to i mean my family has got to eat so within the context in which we live this is a fantastic model of right. how that should look right yeah that's right on and it, it's it's something that we're obviously saying carries weight because the responsibility itself has implications it's certainly temporal but definitely eternal as well and so it seems like it's worth investing like you said if, if you can do that and the lord's calling you to it sounds like this is the place to be is to kind of get that kind of training because it just continues to pay dividends it is and not all seminaries were created equally uh i'll say that um because you've got i mean there are going to be liberal seminaries there are going to be um conservative seminaries um i can speak for mine and say that it's excellent there's nowhere else i'd rather be um and I'm not just saying that because they sponsor our podcast. I'm saying that because, or partner with our podcast. Um, I'm saying that because I would never have partnered with him if I hadn't felt this way. Um, but, you know, there, there's other great ones. Uh, RTS, uh, Westminster Theological Seminary. Yeah, for sure. That, for sure. There's uh, out there, and if you're a Baptist, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, I'm not going to sit there and split hairs and say, oh, well, they're Baptist. No, no. They're, go get you an education there. Um right. You can you can live out the same model, but just make sure that your view of seminary that the it doesn't terminate on you. It trickles out into the flock. Uh, make sure your heart is to is at a place to where you're going. I want to receive this so that I can I can learn so that I can better equip the flock. It, it flows through you, man. Um, it doesn't terminate on you because if it's all about building your ego or building your biblical knowledge or being uh, the grand professor that knows it, you're missing the point. Like it, you're missing the point on several different ways. You're equipped to equip, and uh, and then those people, guess what? They're going to equip, and then it's just going to flow, and and it's going to be 
the gospel taken out in such better ways. Uh, it's not going to be, uh, hey, you guys just get them in, get them saved, and get them out. No, no, no. Let let's actually build the body. Let's actually teach them what the Bible says, and let let's let's let some experience flow through that, even if it's not your own experience. Okay, so so I've heard so many so many personal stories from my professors that I can say. I have not lived this. I have not been through this. But this is this man that I've seen stand before me and pour his heart out before me. And this is an experience that he had. So, man, I mean, how great is that? It feels almost like Highlander, you know? You're like, um, when, when Duncan McLeod, because I was more of a fan of the shows, that, well, okay, you can cut this if this is bad, but uh, this just no, came this, to me. No, this is great. This is definitely, whatever you're about to say is absolutely staying in just because of the preface oh. you just gave it. Okay, so, so Duncan McLeod, uh, he he would cut off the head of somebody, and then what would happen? The quickening, uh, like 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 all of the po- like experience, all of the whatever would go into him. And man, Tony might cut this, but <laughs> but it was I mean, <laughs> but and he gained strength from from what from from another person, from another person's experience, from another person's whatever. And it and if Duncan McLeod's head were to be cut off, then. Okay, same thing would happen. It didn't happen because right. he is immortal. He has inside him blood of kings. I won't do that again. I just I can't mention Highlander without without doing that. Uh, here's the, here's the deal. This is quickly becoming the definitive seminary podcast for two reasons. <laughs> one, one. I love probably best best metaphor for Greek ever was it's like a cardboard box that you open up and stuff comes out. <laughs> That, that was fantastic. <laughs> you just open it up and it just comes out. That's what. Yeah, happened. that's beautiful. I, I, I think it's probably even over my head. It's so glorious. This, the second thing is equating kind of iron sharpening iron to Highlander. It, it was that's just poetry in motion. Well, the thing about me and illustrations is either I nail them or I just do them terribly bad. But um, uh, a, a cool thing is. I didn't come up with that cardboard box thing. I heard that from Thomas Strong, one of my professors. Oh, well done. Uh, when I was, uh, and it's one of those things that stuck with me. And he was, uh, he, he's a dean at Level College, and we still email sometimes and still talk sometimes because he he was such an influence to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, not every professor will be that close, and that's okay, but he has been such an influence to me. Um, he taught me Greek. He he came alongside me and he said and he noticed that i was a calvinist before i did and he told me it's okay i love your heart it's it's okay <laughs> he, 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 he yeah so so before i would even say i was a calvinist um he basically said look we're on opposite ends of the spectrum on this and we're not necessarily opposite because he he's at a place to where he's like it kind of it works together it, it's something okay I would disagree with that. But you know what? I can still learn from him. Right. And I did learn from him. And I have nothing but respect for that man. Like, Thomas Strong has probably been one of my greatest mentors in the faith. And uh, so, yeah, I I, I basically, if that man called and said, I need you here right now, I would drive to New Orleans right now. Uh, That's how much I love that man. So, so yeah. Uh, seminary uh, is a lot more than just a classroom. It has been uh, very, very, very good to me. Hmm. 
I mean, there's a really beautiful testimony in that, honestly. I mean, from my perspective, just that to know that you're coming under godly leaders who have kind of stood shoulder to shoulder in their learning, passing along that knowledge, which is sounds like in your case, equal parts, just straight theological training, which is no doubt of tremendous importance, alongside as well, pastoral care. Like somebody that's been there, it was interesting what you said about a lot of your professors being practitioners. So they've got their feet, one foot in both camps, and they're serving the Lord, and they're trying to educate and edify all the while they know what it's like to be in the battle. Because so, so my father's a pastor, and the thing that I learned from a young age was that this wasn't a job, it was an office. Like it's a way of life. And it's a tremendous commitment, and it takes God to call the right person, which he will equip, but it takes the person that's going to get up and wrestle with people's needs and grieve with them and not just be by their bedsides when things are horrible, but come alongside them and share in their suffering. And you need both to understand like the full counsel of God to minister in that time, but you also need to understand what it's like to just to be silent uh, with somebody or to offer them really solid counsel when their life's falling apart and, and you don't even know what to say. Yeah, man. Um, and it's just good. It, it's, it's like a family. And I'll say this. Um, I don't know one person who teaches at a seminary. I mean, no, personally, one person that, who teaches at a seminary who's ever gotten rich from it. Uh, I know there's people who've sold books. And, yeah, I mean, they deserve the the the, the income from their work. Of course, but at my seminary, that they do everything they can to make it affordable. So uh, classes are two credit hours apiece, and it's $100 per credit hour, so you're paying $200 per class. Wow. So I'm sitting in a classroom where I know this professor is not making a lot of money. He's got he's to do other work uh, to provide for his family and to do these things. But he is there to invest in me. And, you know, I, I know there will always be students who are there just for a grade and they're just for whatever. I get that. But for me to sit under that and to know what that man is giving up to invest in me, it, it, I'm all ears. And I'm, I'm completely invested in myself because I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that uh, he is there because, he number one, he loves the Lord and the gospel. He loves the gospel. And number two, he is there to make sure I do the same thing, to invest in me because he cares enough about the Lord and his church and about me. And, I mean, really, when you think about administrative costs and things like that, how much is a professor really getting paid when you're paying $200 per class? Right, yeah, for sure. So it's just a love for what we're doing. And and don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. That is not to say that other seminaries uh, are lesser because they charge more. No, like they've got – our seminary is, is at Briarwood Presbyterian Church. So uh, we, we don't have building expenses. We don't have that. We don't – I'm not by any means knocking anyone else. I'm just telling you my experience, and I love that. Like I, it, I love that. My my heart is with my seminary. I can like I, it'll be like ten or fifteen years before I'm able to graduate with my, <laughs> with my MDiv. Uh, I mean, because like I said, I, I work full time, 
and and I have a wife and children, and I'm not going to neglect them at all. Uh, but uh, you know, I can I can honestly say I love where I'm going to seminary, and I love what I do, and I love those men who 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 have taken not because I mean it's it's not during the day. I want I thought about going to Beeson, but number one, I couldn't afford it. Number two, you've got to go full time during the day, and I can't do that. I mean, I've got a wife and children who I have to support, and I can't do that. So, for for those guys to to create a schedule for the working man, um, and to be there nights like like most of my classes, the classes will go from like five thirty to seven thirty, and then seven thirty to nine thirty. And those guys are investing. Why? Not because they're getting rich off of it, not because of any other reason, but because they want to invest the gospel in and knowledge in these students who will in turn do the same. How beautiful is that? How can you knock seminary when you think about that? Yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, that's the kind of thing that I wish – even in my own life was like more prevalent in the way that we think about how the church should operate, even among lay people, this idea of just turning your life over into investment to other people. So it, it make, I think, I think this is Calvin who talked about this, but you know, this idea that, you know, God's people of course testified that it was wrong to secure any profit from their produce, the stuff that they made in the old Testament before it was consecrated to God as an offering, giving those first fruits over. Um, at the same time, they of course recognize that if, whatever we give to God doesn't make him any richer. We don't increase him, his the Lord's wealth by offering our gifts to him. So it's because since our kindness cannot reach him, we practice it toward his saints who are here on earth. And that charitable giving, that investment in others is compared to the holy sacrifices that are prevalent in the Old Testament. and the New Testament, they're transmuted in this way where this is part of the sacrifice. The thing that Peter was talking about uh, from the verse that I read earlier this idea of being a living sacrifice is, I think, in many ways related to how we feel about our local body and how we feed into and give ourselves liberally to others. And it's just really encouraging to hear that you're getting that at this level of training. And it sounds like that's the kind of thing that that you're going to pass on, not only because you see the value in it, but because somebody modeled it to you and demonstrated in such a way that you were like, that's discipleship. And let me get a piece of that. Absolutely, that's one of the things I like to say. Let me get a piece of that. You know, you got you got a good biblical truth. Let me get a piece of that. Uh, and and let me say this. Agree on that. Let me say this. I'm not uh, the most naturally gifted. I, I hear Tony talk and and see the things that uh, Tony says. And Tony Tony has this natural just gifting for for academia. That's true. Okay, now. I've got to work for my grades. Not saying that he didn't. He he worked for he worked hard to get to where he's at. He worked absolutely hard. Me, like I'm like I'm going. I would love to just be just be half that naturally intelligent. So that's not taken away from any work that he's done because he's done more work than I've I could ever even think of doing. Uh, but he's also got that natural gifting. Um, but where was I going with that? Uh, y- you know that that's not necessarily what it's about for me i want to be there i want to know as much as possible not 
not so that it could terminate on knowing as much as possible and tony doesn't do that either if he did he would just sit back in an ivory tower he doesn't like right. like he invests in people and pours in people um but i want to do the same thing you know i i will never i don't i don't think i'll ever be as smart as tony is <laughs> I, I, i'm pretty sure that's not going to happen uh but at the same time i can learn and i can just come in and just just take in from these men and then pour back out uh and that's the beautiful thing about seminary. I mean, if you're going to say, if you're going to say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's not whatever. No, it is a big deal. It's a huge deal for me because it has done more for me in my life. And my my wife, like, like she's soaking up everything I'm soaking up because I come home and I talk about it. Um, but in the future when I'm ordained and, and possibly if I, if I pastor, then – the flock will also take that in. So, you know, there's this idea lots of times of people feeling like they're not smart enough. Well, do you hear me talk? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I went to Little Podunk Corner High School, okay? 11th grade, we were so excited because we were getting a car wash. They were actually building something in corner and it wasn't somebody coming out saying oh this land has great investment no no it was a guy in corner saying i'm gonna build a car wash and you are um, living the dream yeah dude so so for for me to come from corner alabama that doesn't even have a post office and and to be able to just take this stuff in and to work but know that I'm being invested in in that work. I mean, it's just I don't think you can get that at any other type of type of college. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying that that um, you you don't get things of value uh, in college or masters if you uh, don't go to seminary. Of course you do. Uh, of course that would be a ridiculous statement. What I'm saying is, uh, I can speak to how much I know my professors care about me uh, and really care. And care about the the future of the church. So it's a beautiful thing. If you come to me and say, seminary doesn't matter, I'm going to say, hold up, Scooter. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's great. I love it. Yeah, that's that is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Again, I'm going to start using Scooter all over the place. Dude, it's so weird. So, like, you know, uh, on, on my podcast, The Reformed Outlook, I just talk, man. I, I never I never sat down and said, well, what can I do for a good catchy cliche or a catchy uh, catchphrase? I never said anything like that. I just go, I just talk. And then so what I'll do, and, and I don't just do this on the podcast. This is the way I talk. Uh, if somebody says something that I'm just, because I'm the type of person that if you say something really weird and really off, like you're going to see it on my face. I can't hide it like I wish I could. I can't. I'm going to say, hold up, Scooter. Well, uh, back it on up. Let's talk about that. Uh, I love it. So I, I started saying that, and then people just, for some reason, started calling me Scooter, and then people started saying, hold up, Scooter. Uh, and I'm like, oh, this is a thing? <laughs> what is this? I didn't even mean it oh, yeah, when I said it a second ago. It was just in conversation. It's a persona now. I, I feel like it's equivalent to how my family uses the word Nate or the name Nate. I feel like it's very similar. Like, you, you just refer to somebody who's a Nate, or I don't know if you've heard of somebody who's a scooter, but it seems like a <laughs> no, no. Tell us more about Nate. Tell like because I, I I remember the episode, but 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 explain explain 
you calling somebody Nate? Explain that for I, us. It sounds a lot like Scooter, honestly, man. It, it, it just sounds like it's somebody who you think is, is foolish or doing something stupid. You would just be like, you know, like somebody's cutting you off in traffic. I, I will say like to my wife, like, look at this Nate. Do you see what this Nate is doing? Like that kind of thing. So <laughs> That's beautiful. How did that happen? I mean, how did, was there just knows. one dude named Nate that you were just like, I don't like this guy. This guy's off. Or no, no, nobody knows. But it, it's just it, now it's prolific it, and ubiquitous. We use it all the time. And again, it, it sounds a little bit like Scooter. So I, 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 as I mentioned before, like d- definitely met people uh, who use different names. I have never heard Scooter. I've heard Chuck. Uh, I've heard Jared. I've heard Nate. I mean, none of this makes sense. But Scooter actually sounds like like a legit. It, it, it sounds a little bit like an onomatopoeia. Like when you say, "Hold up, Scooter." Yeah. Uh, I definitely get the impression. So how does Nate Pickowicz feel about that? He loves it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to get him on my show. I like that guy. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. And uh, shockingly, though, he's his name, like he actually goes by Nate. Shockingly, not a Nate. Not a Nate. <laughs> you gotta he be the he might be a scooter, laugh. though. I don't know. He could be a scooter. Shockingly, not a Nate. I've never met anybody who was actually given the name Scooter from birth. <laughs> Really? Because see, again, so in my pejorative thinking, I feel like the South is full of them. Like they're just running around everywhere. Just a bunch of skaters running around. Yeah, no, man, much, like you, you go to the you go to the bank to like make a deposit, and and the dude who's helping you, the teller's got a little name tag that says Scooter. No, that's not at all how the South <laughs> is. Like at all. Like no. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need to come to the south that's no i've never met anybody named scooter or scooter mcgee or whatever no but uh but yeah, yeah i'm thinking beautiful. like scooter mccracken is definitely a dude somewhere running around i know a guy named ralph mccracken i know a guy named ralph mccracken but i don't know scooter <laughs> mccracken if, if if he ever if he ever said anything i disagree with i'd probably go hold up scooter mccracken <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, that's that's about the extent of it. No, we have normal names down here. Uh, we have lo- we have a lot of nicknames. I mean, I had a lot of nicknames. My last name's Butts. I mean, come on. Uh, but but yeah. So so yeah, it, it's just funny. I love that, dude. I, I because I would have never picked up on Nate being a being a term like scooter. But I guess that's just the differences in cultures, right? Yeah, that's just. So here's what we're gonna do. Like you you import Nate. I'm just going to import scooter. I'm just going to start using that all over the place. Like I'm about to, we're about to finish this at some point, the next five hours, this conversation. And then I'm going to just go downstairs and call my wife scooter and see how that goes. I wouldn't suggest that. (laughs) Um. (laughs) See, see, talk, talk about good seminary training. This is the kind of knowledge that I need to glean from you. Like you've been oh, there. Oh, not you, calling your wife scooter. Thing. I don't even think that's a seminary thing. I think that's just a, you want to survive thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. You know, everybody's got different personalities. That's just kind of mine. And I've always been the type of person that, you know, I, I got some feedback on the uh, podcast. Somebody said their feedback was, you sound like a uh, pretentious uh, bad word that starts with A and ends with, ends with whole. Really? And I got, yeah, yeah, I got that. So, so my response was, I am a pretentious. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, my response, <laughs> my response was, look, all right, there's guys like Paul Washer, there's guys like Buddy Bauckham, and guys like David Platt. I attended his church for a while. Uh, they're very blunt. They're in your face. Mm-hmm. Not because 
they're trying to be jerks or trying to be mean. They do it because they say, wake up. This is the truth. Wake up. I love you enough to be that way. So, So I know that I respond best to that type of thing. I respond best to somebody saying, okay, no, you're doing this wrong. And I go, okay, you know what I am? Uh, and not beating around the bush about it. So, so I've, I guess I'm just kind of wired in the same in the same manner. So I'll say, hold up, Scooter. No, I'm not going to go. Well, I see what you're saying there, and I think that it makes a lot of sense. No, it doesn't make any sense biblically. Let's talk about this. And I'm not saying that so that I can be right and you can be wrong. I'm saying this because I love you, right? And I want you to see the glory of God magnified from the scriptures that I'm seeing, and I want you to glorify God rightly. So that that's where I'm coming from on that. But at the same time, like I've got people in my life that are going to go, what are you doing? I'll be like, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> I'll just call you out on it. Yeah. And I appreciate being called out. That's why, that's why Tony and I get along so well yeah, because he's sure. going to call me out. And you know what? Right. I'm going to call Tony out uh, every right. once in a while when I know what I'm talking about and he doesn't, which is, when it happens, I'll let you know. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but that this is what good brothers do, right? And this is really the authority that Christ has given us in the family. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, you can you can sit there and people say, "Oh, what's loving to just just let them be?" Well, no, it's not. It, how much can you hate somebody to see them walking in a lie and not tell them? Right. So. Yeah, that was a complete and utter rabbit trail. I, I apologize for that. No, but. that was great because one of the things that that's kind of got me thinking about, and this is, I think, probably a good place for us to kind of to wrap up, is, you know, after the apostles, you know, in the New Testament, they're beaten all the time by the Jewish authorities. They're released, and we're told that they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. And so what struck me about what you were saying is I wanted to ask you with, with what you're going through a seminary, just where your mind is at with thinking about this stuff. I mean, what is the difference between teaching and preaching? Like in your mind, how do you, how do you separate those where, where they have commonality? Well, I'm not, I'm not so sure I could give a, a great answer on that, but um, teaching and preaching, uh, the word preaching just rings authority with me. Um, wow. so, so it is a proclamation. It is saying, this is not opinion. This is fact. This is what God says. Okay. That that comes with a lot of weight. Uh, teaching also comes with a lot of weight, but it's more of an explanatory exposition and going, okay, here's what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what it's saying. This is what it could be. You, you see what I'm saying? It, it feels yeah, right. that... Yep. There are they are a lot the same but a lot different because if I'm teaching, I'm going to be coming almost from an I don't want to say objective but maybe I do uh, standpoint. But when when it comes to preaching, I'm going to say no. This is how it is. This is thus says the Lord from His Word. So I, I think there's a, I think that's the difference. What would you say there? I'm totally with you on that. I mean, it seems to me that we're talking about the difference. I think what you were kind of saying is the difference between speaking for Christ in preaching versus like speaking of him. And that there's different sense that the minister is speaking on behalf of the Lord. And there's education that is certainly inherent in preaching. 
But we're talking about something where you're you're getting up in front of people and you're about to make an authoritative claim that represents God himself. And there's an imperative there. There's not just passion, but there's an appeal that says this is the moral imperative. Like this is the way I walk in it. And so when you were talking about people just being able to call us out and say like in tough love, you're just messing around or you're screwing up and you need to get your life back in order here. I kind of always think of that as like, well, that's some preaching that's happening right there. And that, it, it, all the, going all the way back to, it's why it's so important that we have our pastors that they're trained up, that they know what the Bible says and that they can execute it, discern it rightly and pull it into a situation and really discern what needs to be said and do so with authoritative uh, response. So yeah, I'm, I'm down with I love that. that. I, I love that. I love I love how I can say something just off the cuff, and then you can just explain it in a way that I can't. So may, maybe <laughs> this is you know just a beautiful symmetry right here, like north it and is. south coming together. Like you got you've got biscuits in in some kind of weird chocolate sauce. I just <laughs> got a biscuit. Like it, it, this it, this is beautiful. I love this. I love it too, man. I think it's great because you can you can. Like, I'll say a thought, and I'll be like, I know what I mean. And then you're like, you tell everybody actually what I mean. And I'm like, so, hey, you know what that works? You're like my translator. It's like I'm speaking Russian, and, and you you are the translator. So It's it's possible that it's just like it's the, the north-south combo here. Like, you're, you're speaking. I think it's abundantly clear, but maybe, like, I, I got to translate it for my people, so to speak. I don't know. We'll, we'll just see what happens. That's right. I yeah. like it. Roll Tide. I, I love this. Uh, thanks for coming on. Matt and hang yeah, out. Man. I, I really appreciate you just sharing from your heart about your experience, about what the Lord's doing, about where you're going. How, how can people, if they've listened to this, which they surely have, hopefully all the way to the end, and they've heard your gravy-like voice and thought, you know what, I'd really just like to get rid of Tony and Jesse and to listen to this guy all the time. How can they go out and find your stuff? Well, number one, do not get rid of Tony and Jesse because they're <laughs> fantastic. And, and I'm, a, I'm a faithful listener to their podcast. Uh, number two, if you want to find us, uh, reformedoutlook.com. I, I don't write a lot of blogs. I write some blog posts, but we've got some writers for the Reformed Outlook who are just killing it. Good stuff. Um, do that. Uh, we are uh, uh, the podcast called The Reformed Outlook. You can find us on iTunes or any other podcast catcher. I think that's what you call them. Um, and it's been it's been it's been fairly successful. Like it. it it's been really good for us. So uh, you can find us on Twitter at Ref Outlook. You can find us on Facebook, the Reformed Outlook. My name is Matt Butts. Uh, there's a picture of me with my nice-looking redheaded wife. You can add me on Facebook. Uh, and so, so yeah, uh, but I would say go to reformedoutlook.com, and you can find everything that you want and, and look for us on iTunes. Hey, give us a five-star review and rating and uh we'll love you for that by the way and do that for the reformed brotherhood as well uh yes please yeah but f first definitely go check out the reformed outlook there's a really there's a ton of good resources on there it's really solid stuff i also love the podcast it's fantastic now now there's just like a lot of just a lot of romance going on here a lot of, a lot of love on these microphones <laughs> that's right that's right i love your podcast no i love your podcast more no i love your podcast more i do no, have to oh. say I wish more people would, would call our voicemail line, which is 607-444-2767 or 607-444-BROS. But nobody has yet to top the voicemail that you left us. Oh, is that right? I do not recall. What was that about? Yeah. I no, nobody has sung in the sweet, mellifluous tones that you have. 
And certainly nobody has uh, done Stephen Wonder like you have, Matt. It was impressive. You want me to close you out with a song just off the cuff? You know what? That would be the most appropriate thing I can think of right now. When I get that feeling, do some brotherhood healing, some brotherhood healing, yeah. Y'all thought I could only sing country. Uh, I actually didn't even know what to think. I just got really sweaty, though, when you started that, because I was like, oh, we're going to have to cut this. But I do like the, <laughs> I do appreciate the lyric change. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's, it's, yeah, dude, that, was, that was so good. I love that that's, that's the piece of music you would pick. Like you were like, let me let me just rifle through my mind real quick and find what's most appropriate. Here it is. Top of mind. I love it. Well, thanks again, Matt, for, for hanging out. I appreciate it. You have any kind of last, last words or anything else you want to kind of close this out with? Yeah, I just want to say that um, seminary is... is so uber important and cool and um i internalize a whole lot of of what is given to me there so if if you're on the fence about maybe uh should i go to seminary should i not number one you you need to really stop taking inventory of of i mean has the church basically recognized something in you uh that you should make this type of investment uh if so because i mean we could all subjectively say i'm called to ministry uh but I would say that if you're there and you know that that Lord wants you to pastor, or the Lord, maybe not even pastor, um, the Lord wants you to lead. So do this thing. Trust me on this. If you want to get in contact with me, you can email me at matt at reformedoutlook.com. We can talk about it. But it is has it has been such a blessing for me. And continues to be, and I'm looking forward to the future where where it will continue to be. So, guys, don't just dismiss it as as other people dismiss. Well, you ain't got to go to church to be saved. Well, you ain't got to do this. Well, don't be a loophole Christian. Like, look at the opportunities that God has provided for you, and and take hold of those because they are great. Amen, man. This has been the definitive seminary podcast like we should just ship this shop this out to every place as like an advertisement for going through higher education seminary um <laughs> i'm just this guy from alabama going to seminary i i don't know about that i mean that's also going to be on the ad because that just sells that was beautiful that brought a tear to my eye <laughs> while you while it. you were saying that i filled out four applications <laughs> hopefully one to birmingham theological seminary <laughs> No doubt, because I I wouldn't last fifteen minutes there. I would just yes, there would be like, Who yes, are you, you would. Where did you come from? And I'd be like Yanktown. <laughs> would you take me to Yanktown? <laughs> okay, I'm not going to sing again. I'm not going to. Uh, thank you, brother, for coming on. I appreciate it. Everybody, go check out Reformed Outlook stuff. And uh, until next time, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. <laughs>